And good afternoon and welcome to the Women's Show. I'm Deb Anderson here with you until 2 o'clock with the, well, just the best in women's music, music performed by women. And um, gosh, let me tell you, what a treat to be able to talk to somebody that I've been listening to um, pretty much most of my uh, radio career in the last, well, maybe not totally 40 years, but maybe pretty darn close to it, Geneva Magnus. Uh, we started off with uh, Closer from Hard to Kill, from her brand new album, Hard to Kill. After that was uh, Weeds Like Us, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that song. It's a brand new audio book from Geneva, uh, a kind of a memoir from her, and that is from Devil is an Angel, too. And then we ended with, I guess that's where she got the title track, uh, Hard to Kill with Strong as Steel. And Geneva, are you there? I'm right here, Deb. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing pretty good. And as I said, uh, for me to be able to talk to you is uh, kind of a kind of a dream <laughs> come true, as they say. Um, because really, I I have been uh, following you for many many years and playing your music uh, over those years because I've been doing radio for quite a long time, maybe as long as you've been performing, which has been forty years or more, right? More than 40, actually 46, so, 46. so I'm heady on the curve, but not by much, but yeah. I appreciate the support all that time, man, that's great. Well, because you're so darn good, Janet. <laughs> it's like when I say the best in music <laughs> performed by women, um, I'm not kidding, you know, um, usually I try to play what I think is, you know, the best uh, performers out there, artists, uh, some of them aren't well-known. Others, like you, you're kind of legendary, actually. Um, you, uh, you've you been nominated, or been won seven times the Blues uh, blues Music Awards. Um, two th mm. I mean, seven times, okay? <laughs> That's quite yeah. a bit. Uh, 2009, you, you were uh, the Entertainer of the Year for the B.B. King Awards. Um, Mm -hmm. Got a Grammy nomination in 2016 for mm -hmm. one of your 16 albums. <laughs> We're talking 16 <laughs> albums here, Janova. You, you, uh, you've been doing this stuff for a long time. I've been, yeah. Somebody's been paying me to giving me usually cash money to <laughs> sing songs. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, for for a long time, for 46 years, and I'm and it's it's been. And I know you'll understand this, Deb. Mm. Such a huge blessing. Oh, indeed. Such a gift. I mean, what would I be? Well, I just don't even, I don't think I would be. I think I would have truly ceased to exist without the music. Well, and that begs a question because uh, you have, by the way, you have your own label, which is a yes. wonderful label, um, Fathead Records. And be, probably because you have your own label, you do beautiful packaging of your music um you have this great cover <laughs> your great picture of you on this mural Thank you. Uh, but the things i love about this packaging is uh you have this wonderful insert uh with all the lyrics of every song the beautiful cover art and then you talk kind of about why this album came to be because it has quite a story hard to kill um when you're talking about where would you be without the music? Weren't you pondering that question for a while? Oh, yeah, I've pondered that question off and on for a thousand years. So, but yes, I was definitely, you know, and I say it right in the liner notes uh, mm -hmm. for this release that this wasn't going to happen. 
but I was just, I, like many of us, you know, I had some friends that like did really well during the pandemic. They were like, okay, we're going to buy all this gear and then we're going to like, you know, dial up the home studios and we're going to do all this writing and do all this great stuff and da, 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 da. <laughs> and you know, that was not my experience. Mm. And, and I know that I'm not alone in that. And, and somewhere in two and a half years between my office, which is basically the garage, mm. but my office, the kitchen and the bedroom, I got really, really lost. Mm. And quite frankly, our place, you know, is not that big. <laughs> so, okay. But I, I got very lost and I started to, you know, there's only so many closets you can clean out and so much paper you're going to shred. Right. And then I started getting real confused and I went to a very dark place, mm. which, you know, if you know me at all, you know, that's not a huge surprise necessarily, the darkness, but mm -hmm. I got, I got real lost in there and I wasn't sure what I was supposed to be doing in life. And I started questioning kind of everything and wringing my hands and, mm. and, um, mm. it was very troubling. And, um, in hindsight, I recognize a couple things. One is that I haven't gone that long of a period of time, two years, let's just say a year mm -hmm. and a half of it, um, without um, doing music live in front of an audience mm -hmm. since I was 19 years old. Wow. And a brunette, by the way. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen you your know, pictures. You feel me? You feel me on that? Yeah, so, yeah. You're more like Emmy Lou Harris now with the hair, with the beautiful white like hair. She's like my spirit animal. I literally, and I have to. I, I laugh when you say this. I have to uh, remind me to tell you the Nashville Emmy Lou story. So <laughs> okay, um, all right. Um, but I, I got really confused and I got really lost and I, I haven't gone that long without being in what for me is holy water of live music and an exchange with musicians and an exchange with an audience. Mm. I hadn't gone that long without that since I was 19 years old. That'd be tough. And it was, yeah, I got real lost. And, you know, then of course, you know, do, 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 the cavalry shows up <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, my producer calls me up and he's like, what's going on? You know? <laughs> And he's a scrapper like me. He comes from that, you know. And mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know who I am. <laughs> and he's going, you know, expletive, expletive. What are you, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I don't know. He goes, we're making a record. And I go, I don't know. You know, I mean, I just, I didn't. Why? 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 You know, and he said, expletive, expletive, because that's what you do. Uh -huh. You're an artist. And it's what we do. Indeed. So put effing around and let's get to work. Let's write these songs. And, and I mercifully trust him enough that I followed that lead. I wasn't feeling it, but I followed the lead. And this guy produced your album, didn't he? Yeah. He's produced several of mine. Dave Darlin. Dave Darlin. That's a great name, yeah. Dave Darlin. I know. I know. <laughs> All right. Who gets that name? That's his real name. 
<laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I have no doubt. Yeah. There's a few darlings yeah. here in, in Lincoln, Nebraska, so that's a, yeah. the, the yeah. true thing. But uh, So he convinced you, you are an artist, so quit messing around in, in nice terms and uh, mm-hmm. uh, get out and make an album. And the album you made was... Hard to kill. Hard to kill. Hard to kill. Yep. And yep. you know, and, and I, you were right. I did get the title, in a sense, from the first track, which is "Strong Steel," which we just heard. But you also got it from Weeds Like Us, because mm-hmm. that's exactly what that song's about. Because that song mm-hmm. talks about your childhood, and that's also the title of your audio book, which also came out at the same time, pretty much as uh, "Hard to Kill," didn't it? And you recorded same it. street date. Yeah, audiobook and and uh, hard to kill. The album came out June twenty fourth. Both of them. Wow, June twenty fourth. Great, great date. And these these are probably the most personal, uh, honest, uh, soul bearing songs you've probably ever performed on an album, aren't they? You know, they. I don't know. They might be. I get. I get. You know, I get accused of being um, really personal and raw. That's not a bad thing. Um, <laughs> a lot with my music. And, you know, I don't, I believe that the job is connection. I finally mercifully understand that that's what the job is and that the vehicle is music. Mm. So, mm. so there's not a, a good reason for me to be anything but legit, anything but authentic in, mm-hmm. in, my, in my craft doing it on stage that way i'm doing it in the studio that way mm. um there's plenty of room for songs that go baby 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 ad nauseum but mm-hmm. i can't serve that mm. i cannot serve that master it's not in me to do that that would be somebody else's job and that's fine and good a lot of folks want to hear that mm-hmm. but for those of us that that don't i gotta do this other thing and so um Yes, the the book and the audio version of the book and the album are all very, very connected. They're very tethered. It was, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, we went in to record the audio book right before the album. So my producer, Matt Cartsonis, um, with the audio book, who's also a very dear friend of a long time, many years, um, we had, we both had a mutual 10-day window and that, to, to do the recording for the audiobook, and that turned out to be right before I was going to go into the studio mm-hmm. to record the album. So it was it was exquisite timing because what happened was it really helped me helped pull me the rest of the way. Besides the cold water that my producer was throwing in my face, like what are you talking about? You're an artist, mm-hmm. you know. Like the like the slap in in uh, Moonstruck from Cher when she hits Nicolas Cage and whacks him <laughs> on the face and goes snap out of it. Right? <laughs> yeah, Great scene. That's a good one. And and, mm-hmm. and it helped to pull me all the rest of the way out because I'm here. I'm in the studio with one person reading my book aloud to me, mm. basically, or you. You know, hopefully other folks that will want to listen. And I, I read the whole thing aloud, and I, and I realized at the end of that ten-day recording session that I, I might 
like, I'm okay. I'm more than okay. And I'm going to be okay. What exactly am I worried about here? Mm-hmm. What am I so frightened of that I think I should just curl up and go away? Yeah. Because I read this book aloud and I go, well, hang on, hold it. <laughs> you know, that woman whose story I just read, uh, don't take this the wrong way, but she might be a badass. Well, yeah, that's what she I thought. <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> Thank you. And so I went, so what are, you, what are you worried about? What do you think they're going to do to you? And who are they anyway? Mm. They don't even exist. So that really empowered me to move forward honestly pretty from a strong position very aggressively into the recording of the record so that was that was beautiful timing there that was not planned on mm. my part that just sort of felt like the universe so i mean i can talk for a long time Deb, so <laughs> i don't know if we're going to have enough you know 20 minutes I don't know. oh we're gonna um, we're probably gonna go a little longer than 20 minutes i suspect i'm talking okay. to janova magnus by the way so um certainly not going to just cut it off right here no doubt about it um Yes, you are a survivor. Uh, you grew up in Minneapolis, didn't you? The Twin Cities was a large part of my uh, stomping ground and uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul area and um, in and around there. So, yeah, I did a lot of damage. <laughs> well, you, <laughs> as, you, as you do when you're young, you know? Well, my understanding that you weren't exactly best buddies, but you, you ran across Prince a few times. Oh, yeah. Well, that was, um, yeah, what a time it was to be in Minneapolis. And he was just a kid. Um, I was a young person. He was a kid. Mm. And I remember, you know, trying to make my way through being on the scene and stuff in Minneapolis during that time. And people, this was before he really broke. And the locals locals were kind of like yeah have you heard about this guy prince yeah like <laughs> that can't be his real name come on man who do you think he is uh, you know what right. a jerk <laughs> and we used to ride the same bus uh hennepin avenue bus and he mm-hmm. lived over northeast and i was living in south minneapolis just just on the edge of downtown and so but we rode the same um bus from downtown um and then he would get off and take a different bus, and I would continue on the same bus and head south. But um, I would see him on the bus. Yeah, wow. And you know what a what a rich and bountiful time to be in the Twin Cities that was, and what a what a brilliant artist he was. And of course, all those naysayers, you know, when he started to break, mm-hmm. you know. Um, well, then suddenly it was, isn't he the greatest thing since sliced bread? In fact, he is, he's better than sliced bread, isn't he? You know? <laughs> pretty much. And, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you know how people are. They'll, they'll, they'll pivot right. in, on a dime. So, yeah, but it was a very rich and interesting time. And I remember seeing him in clubs, um, per- perform. This was way before he even owned the club because mm. he, he owned that club, um, downtown Minneapolis referred to as, I think it was called First Avenue. Yeah, it was called First Avenue. Um, 
there was a very rich scene in, in Minneapolis and St. Paul at that time. So Was this the 70s yeah, the or the 80s? Or when, when was uh, this? Well, um, seeing him on the bus in Hennepin was 70s. Okay. You know, mid to late 70s. And then um, he started to break, I believe, in the 80s. Oh, okay. Really break, late 70s, early 80s. So, you know. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing time. Well, a lot going on musically, um, certainly in, in that point. I mean, just in music in general in, in that time. I, that's certainly a time I grew up in and was listening to music also back in the 70s and, and the late right. 60s for sure. Um, mm-hmm. You had kind of a, I mean, in your book, Weeds Like Us, you, you talk about, I mean, you've gone through, I mean, talking about a survivor and tough as steel, you you really had a lot of challenges in your in your life, haven't you, Janova? I have. I have. In the early part of my life was, was pretty um pretty bumpy, you know, and I talk about it pretty openly nowadays because for the longest time I never spoke about it. Mm. You would have been my friend for many, many years. And we really would have been friends. And you would have had no idea because mm. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to have any idea, even though I was living my internal life, so much of it in the trauma or what I, re- you know, that's what they call it nowadays. I call it living in the cut. Mm. And I lived in the cut day and night. And, but you would never have known it. You would never have known that I had come from that kind of darkness or that kind of dysfunctionality. And, so there's, I talk about it very openly now because it turns out that it, speaking openly helps me find, continue to find purpose in what went on. Because if it isn't so that I can help someone else, mm. just explain to me exactly what was going on. Because I can't, you know... Um, a lot of physical violence, um, alcoholism, drug addiction, multiple suicides in my mm. immediate family, um, <clears throat> mm. sexual abuse, um, my own addiction and alcoholism, um, my own other manifestations of mental illness. I mean, by the time I was 14 years old, I was diagnosed as schizophrenic, maladjusted, manic, depressive, and highly suicidal. And you know oh, what? Smokes. I looked like that. I presented, a therapist today would say, well, how did she present? I presented like that. I was very much like, I remember seeing Angelina Jolie and Girl Interrupted, uh-huh. that movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, that was like basically me. That was like kind of a mild version of who I was and how I presented. Wow. And my social workers and probation officers, because I had all that, because I was in foster care. Hmm. 12 foster placements, two and a half years. Pregnant at 16, gave birth at 17. Four months later, gave my baby up for adoption because I had a moment Hmm. of clarity, as we say, where I realized I was really going to damage this kid. I was going to do to her what was done to me in terms of dysfunctionality and there wasn't going to be any stopping it because I couldn't stop me in my mental 
state. So I gave my baby to strangers, mm. meaning up for adoption. This gave my baby to strangers. <laughs> and mm. and you, you were know, all of it, all of it but by the time. So then now I'm 17. So all of that Michigas and now I'm 17. Wow. So it was a pretty, pretty uh, rough, pretty bumpy kickstart there. Didn't and you, go ahead. No, just the fact that I'm here and and most days I have joy and I don't live in the cut most days anymore is massive. And if, and and to have found a purpose to understand that my job is to stand in the window and I'm holding the candle over here. Mm. And and anybody that's out there that's hurting, I don't think I have the worst story. I know I don't. I've heard far worse in terms of dysfunctional upbringings. But it is my story. And I was there. I know what happened. I know all the players. I know where everybody is buried. Mm -hmm. And if if sharing with someone helps them come through their own cut or their own version of whatever their experiences are, then I'm 100% in. So, yeah, I'm going to tell you all about it. Yeah, and You want to know. And you wrote about it, and you did your mm -hmm. audio book, and you wrote the song I, Pearl, which uh, 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 is about your giving your daughter away. Which is yeah. When I listen to that, it's like you, you want to cry, and I bet you've touched so many people, so many women who've gone through that um, with that song. I mean, it's so bury yourself. I mean, I mean, you. <laughs> it is such a heartfelt and and honest uh, how how the, you're feeling, and you. I mean, you really lay some of the blame on yourself. I mean, um, it's it's an incredible song. Um, on your new Thank album, you. Hard to Kill. Um, and yeah, I mean, it would it would make anybody who even sort of on either end of that situation, if they've been uh, adopted by somebody and they didn't know who their birth mother was, or if you were the birth mother. Mm -hmm. I mean, you this this happened to a lot of women, certainly in that time. I know a lot of us. There's a lot of us out there, and and the thing is. Um, it was the choice that I made, and thank God I made that choice. I it, it, it will never not hurt, but I, but it sits in a better place now. But yeah, that song was that song was hard. You know, I, mm. I, I I read a reviewer a few weeks back that said, you know, about the songs called O Pearl, and I don't I don't know how the artist could have possibly performed this song in the studio without breaking down. Mm. And I was telling, I was telling Dave that I was like, yeah, this producer, this uh, reviewer said, blah blah blah. How could she possibly do it without breaking down? And we looked at each other and started laughing, like she didn't. She totally broke down. She totally <laughs> lost it. Yeah. You know, and and that's okay. You know, it's the the human condition. And where did it? I I know the answer to this, but I, I it begs the question: Where did it start? that we were supposed to be less than human. Mm. What, what happened? What was, what is that? That's just not real. And that idea has caused so much damage. I'm perfectly fine. I'm perfectly fine. I'm 
only a flesh wound. I'm perfectly fine. And it's created so much, that idea creates a lot of disconnect in our world as I see it. And so, yeah, I, you know, I will never perform that song live. I'll tell you that. Oh, that will never happen. I can't do that. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't even play it today because it was, it's so personal. It felt so wrenching. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, you're. I think that's why you have received so much honor in your life, uh, because you are so honest in your music and so truthful. Plus, you've got the the vocal qualities <laughs> to be able to Thank make you. it happen and the showmanship. Um, you know, blues, you. Uh, Living Blues Magazine kind of compared you to Irma Thomas and Etta James as far as the legacy you're going to leave uh, or having oh, right now. Cry. I just read that. I read that last week that came in and, uh, and I just was just like, wait, am I like, somebody needs to slap me. I'll slap me. I got to read that again. Did oh, I read what God. I just thought I read? I was just when I saw that, that was well, a huge honor. Well, it's it's you deserve that honor um, because anybody who's followed you over these many years uh, see how you progress and know that you're coming from a very real place. Uh, your music is not, you know, baby, baby, baby. Uh, never has been. It's <laughs> it's, it's speaking no. the truth. And I was curious. Um, you know, you put out this hard to kill. And by the way, I'm speaking to Janova Magnus here on. Uh, sweethearts and badasses and you certainly fit that <laughs> uh, title <laughs> here which I love I absolutely love that uh, you're a sweetheart and a bad has a great combination um, you before this in 2019 before the pandemic you put out a cover album which uh, was interesting and, and you picked John Fogarty what, what was the reasoning behind that you know um, thanks for asking that Deb you know I um, my manager at the time was just like no I don't want you to do that. And I was like, dude, you don't understand. So I owed, I was with, I was on a record contract with Blue Alon. I still owed them an album. Okay. I, it took six years to write the book. I mean, it took a lifetime for the story, but it took six years to actually get it down, get it linear mm. and get it in a condition where people could actually read the story. And we were on a deadline with that book. And I had six months to finish the book. And um, I owed Blue Alon another record. And there was no way in God's green earth that I was going to be able to write a bunch of original songs, which mm-hmm. is where I was at that point with everything, right? Writing mm-hmm. tunes. And finish that book. I was, it wasn't going to happen. I didn't have the, the internal bandwidth to do that because the book uh, took me to such a very different space and I had to write that and then edit, read, read, edit, read, read, edit, mm. change, shift, massage. Oh my God, you know, there was one, I literally was like reading and I called up my ghostwriter because I worked with a ghostwriter, Gary Dolson, who's a brilliant author. Um, like Pulitzer nominated author, this guy. Mm. And he, and I called him up and I go, I forgot, I forgot. I don't, why don't I, there's a rape. Why don't I see that in here? And he goes, what? And I said, I didn't tell you. And he goes, no. And I was like, oh dear God, all right. And I decided 
I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was hard to write. It was hard to write. Anyway, I wasn't going to get it done and write a bunch of original songs that were going to be worth anything. So I talked to my producer about it, and he goes, well, you know, we had pretty good luck with the Fogarty tune. I covered as long as I can see the light on the 2016 Grammy-nominated album called mm-hmm. Love Wins Again. Mm-hmm. And that became a very, very popular uh, song. Mm-hmm. And so he said, why don't we look at Fogarty tunes? Well, there's no shortage of incredible Fogarty songs. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you were raised in a cave in Tibet <laughs> with no electricity, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you, you were exposed to credence. Okay? You You're were right, you right. exposed to Fogarty. Right. So we went and we started looking at that. And you just poke it once and there's a huge explosion of incredible material. And we started looking at that and it's like, oh. And still, I'm going to bring myself to it. But there, that was it. That proved to be the right the right moment, the right source. And so we went in and the challenge there was to narrow it down to, you know, 12 songs um, that I would then bring myself to. And um, that would give me the internal bandwidth to get the book finished because the book wasn't going to get done if I had to write songs. It wasn't going to happen. So that's why that happened. That's why. Well, that that certainly explains that. And... um, you are a songwriter, you're a writer um, you collaborate with uh, different people and I thought that it was a great story you talked about Annie Mack, one of your collaborators oh god, just love her so much, what a brilliant writer she is, she wrote Closer uh huh, which I That's started it. with, which yeah. I love that song yeah. love that oh song. my god, how can you not love that song, you'd have to be, you'd have to be a statue <laughs> not to love that, I'm serious and, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a stunner when I do it live. Mm. People are just like, what? You know, uh, we just did that in Nashville at Americana Fest, and people were completely stunned with the song, which is good. It's, it's good. It's, a, it's one that gives you pause and makes us think, and, and, and that I'll serve. I'll serve that master all day long. But, um, yeah, Annie Mack, who I met, um, I was in Memphis serving as a judge for the Blues Foundation, which I've done many, many, many years, mm-hmm. and during international blues competition, and I walked into this club called the Pig on Beale, mm-hmm. and um, there, and it was rammed to the to the walls. It was like Sardine City in that place, and hot and sweaty, and it was all going on. And there was Annie Mack up on stage with a full band, and she was about ten and a half months pregnant. <laughs> I swear to God, and <laughs> and she was just singing her heart out. Oh wow. And I stood there and I was like, okay, <laughs> this gives me pause. It gives me great hope. Mm. I'm getting chills left and right. This woman's just doing songs that she wrote. And um, I went up to her afterwards. Anyway, we became friends. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm real grateful for that. And we co-wrote um, for the, when I was, we were getting ready to do this album, I called her up and I said, hey, what do you think? She think we, you know. A, I want to do closer. Are you okay with it? She's like, are you kidding me? I would love that. B, let's try and write some stuff together. So we did for this album as well. Mm. And I just adore her. She's very talented. Annie Mack, Google her. Annie Mack. Uh, and she also wrote I'm Still Here, which I'm going to end with, yeah. unless there's something else you would like me to play. I, would, I, I, I think thought, that's a great idea. I, I think that. that really... Annie and I wrote that. Well, it kind of says it all. You know, I could go through all this stuff 
and be out there for all these years, and I am still here. And nobody's going to knock you down, and you're going to put up a good fight. <laughs> you're going to be the darn good badass at it. So, um, you know, <laughs> that is Janova Magnus all over the darn place. Um, Janova, I probably need to sort of wind it down a bit, though it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you. Um, you know, you, you're, you're out there. I just posted a video today. Uh, you did a pretty recent uh, video for uh, uh, A Strong as Steel, which I loved. Uh, you doing quite a Thank few you. videos to, uh, for your songs? No. <laughs> no? No. Well, you no. did that one. Uh, I did that one. That, that's the title track. Um, uh, you know, um, I want to say a couple of things real quick. There is a continuum between all of my recordings. And you mentioned that uh, Weeds Like Us, the song, and that is the title of the book, mm-hmm. physical and audio, but Weeds Like Us, the song, the, the lyric in Weeds Like Us is Weeds Like Us are hard to kill. Mm-hmm. And that's true. And that's true. And that song is really about the cut as I referred to it. Mm-hmm. But then we fast forward all these years and we persist and I'm in a conversation with some collaborators, some friends that I songwrite with who are based in Australia, Lauren and Andy, and we're ta- I, I start telling a story about my grandma, my grandma Pearl, my mother's mother, and how she was, you know, a very unassuming, gorgeous French woman, but she was incredibly strong. And she didn't walk around like, you know, I'm strong. You know, bring it on. She didn't do that at all. She just did it. Mm. You know, so from the cut, from the cut of the cloth where you just, you just did it. And then I was talking about my grandma Pearl and how she, she married, uh, you know, Charlie Kirby five times and divorced him six. (laughs) And, you know, I made the comment that, yeah, that woman was just strong as steel, strong as steel. And from that came the lyric came the song strong as strong as steel, um, and the line on bad business for the devil because I'm so hard to kill. Mm. So it's a different view mm. from weeds like us being in the cut all the way to standing, mm. quite frankly, on, on, a, on a standing on a stack of dead bodies and, and all kinds of brokenness. And standing there, and I'm and I'm bruised, and I'm and I'm battered, but damn it, I'm here. Mm. And that song that Annie and I wrote speaks completely to that. Wow! So yeah, you know, just don't give up. I, I, I love it. Yeah, this whole album just really speaks so directly, and so. Ah, yeah, it's it's beautifully done. Your voice is incredible. I mean, it just gets better over the years. Uh, and uh, you just came back from Americana Fest. Now, is this the time to talk about Emmy Lou Harris and you and being kind of twin sisters? Or um... <laughs> you know, um, for the listeners, I've been a brunette my whole life, and now my hair, like many of us during uh, the the pandemic, I decided I'm just you know. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not going to do those touch-ups anymore. Mm. And I was real afraid about what I was going to get. And what I got was a full head of completely white Emmy Lou Harris hair. Yes, indeed. So, and there it is on the album cover now. And it's in all the promo now. And it's in the video. Mm. And um, I was, we were at a club uh, listening to somebody else. 
third and Lindsley in Nashville, a great venue. And I, I got up to, I went to the restroom and I, I walked past the bar and I went to the restroom. And then as I was coming back, these three young, they had to be 20-ish, gorgeous women were at the bar and one of them jumped off her chair and she stopped me and she goes, oh my God, oh my God. I said, yeah. She goes, can I ask you a question? I go, sure. She goes, we were freaking out when you walked by because because we were sure that you were Emmy Lou Harris. <laughs> and we were freaking out. I mean, oh my God. And I said, I started laughing and I said, yeah, she's kind of my spirit animal these days. And, and they were like, oh my God, you look like her younger sister. Oh my God, oh my God. And then, and then we realized that if in fact you were Emmy Lou Harris, the whole the whole bar, which was rammed full of several hundred people, would be like staring at you uh-huh. if you were Emmy Lou, because Emmy Lou doesn't, you know, like it's like an Emmy Lou sighting. It would oh, be like geez. seeing Elvis or something. You know <laughs> what I mean? You'd be like, ah, oh! and uh, uh-huh. you know. And I just we had a nice laugh about that. And I said, ladies, I think you made my month. Thank you very much. She <laughs> thought I was Emmy Lou, and they're like, you're her younger sister. Oh my god. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> That was my Emmy Lou moment. I, I wish I could say I met Emmy Lou and we're the best friends ever, but that's not what it is. But it could happen because you're probably going to yeah, Americana yeah. Fest again, and, and I'm pretty sure that's where she lives. I mean, that's sort of her, her place of being in Nashville. Well, I think so. I think the area. Oh, I'm yeah, for sure. Well, Janova Magnus has been fantastic talking to you. Now, where can we one find you out there in social media? Uh, com. The website is the best place to go. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. And, you know, I have a fan page on Facebook and a personal page and a band page. And, um, you know, God help me, I'm on TikTok. Um, (laughs) You're just (laughs) everywhere. You're everywhere. And what about this fan club called JFAM? I love that. Yeah, that's my new fan club. And, and, um, so stay tuned for for announcements about that because there's going to be some some announcements and some new stuff. You basically you go to my website j a n i v a m a g n e s s dot com and you sign up on the email list, which I might email you five or six times a year. Like I and I do not sell or give you info away that I because I I hold it precious that you give me some information mm-hmm. and. Uh, Believe me, I get hit on to sell the thing, and it's like, yeah, no, get out. Don't even ask me that. But okay. um, right. yeah, so that's the JFAM, and that's you know early announcements. You folks know first about all the upcoming news and all the interesting and fun stuff that's happening. And there's you know T-shirts and all kinds of other stuff. So um, all right, stay tuned about that. That's JFAM. JFAM, very cool. Kind of reminds me of the K-pop. I mean, is that sort of cool? <laughs> Cool. K-pop, J-Fam, there you go. Janova Magnus, are you coming to Lincoln anytime soon? That's my next and last. And if you, need, if you do, please come into the studio and sing for us, please. I would be thrilled to do that. I don't have anything right now on the schedule for Lincoln, but I'd be thrilled. But can I take a moment to just take a little bit of a, uh, a left hook here? I know folks in Lincoln, especially the hard blues fans, are going to know who Willie J. Campbell is. Mm-hmm. Willie J. Campbell, bass player uh, for the James Harmon band in Those Dangerous Gentlemen and a whole lot more. He's a brilliant, brilliant musician and a delightful human being. Um, and um, 
the next thing that's going to happen. Just here's so this is insider trading information. Okay. Um, this is the kind of stuff you're going to find out if you're if you're signed up on the email list and you're in the JFAM. Um, we're getting ready to make another record, and this one's going to be a benefit for Willie J. Campbell. Mm. Um, he's recently been diagnosed with ALS. It's extremely mm. aggressive. Wow. He called up our mutual dear friend, Kid Ramos, and he said, hey, Kid, uh, I think I got one more record on me, in me, but I think we need to go quick. So we're making a record mm. for Willie, with Willie, and it's going to be Kid Ramos, myself, Kim Wilson, David Hildago. I mean, the mm. it's like this cast of like, you got to be kidding me. It's a stunning list of artists and um, Jimmy bought on drums. And I mean, it's just going to be wow. really, really stunning. And we're making that as a benefit. We're doing uh, crowdfunding. So oh, okay. go to my Facebook pages any one of them, and you'll see a post about that. And we're asking folks to step up so that all the artists are playing for free. It's just that we have to pay for the process of recording and getting the record out because we're going to do another record uh, for Willie before he can't play the bass anymore. Well, I'm glad you, you mentioned that. That's great because I was going to ask you what your next project was. So that's... That's it. That's, inc it. that's incredible. That, Thank you yeah, so much. Yeah, so... That's insider trading stuff as far as, you know, that's like the JFAM announcement kind of stuff. Right. So so get on board if you can. Uh, you know, a penny, nickel, dime, quarter, 5,000 will do. All right. <laughs> you know. Okay. You know. All um, right. Willie could really use the love. And, Deb, I can't thank you enough for the support all these years. Thank you so much. Oh, you bet. Janova Magnus here on Sweethearts and Badasses of Americana and Beyond uh, on The Women's Show. And I'm going to go out with you. Uh, your song that you wrote with Annie Mac, uh, I'm Still Here because it is the perfect song. So <laughs> thank you so much, Janova. It's been wonderful talking to you. And, say, and you as well, Deb. I'll see you out there on the campus somewhere. I certainly hope so. Talk to you soon. Yeah. See you later. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.